Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss. This is not your average grief group. I'm Gianna Demedio. Thanks for joining me as we normalize the conversation around grief with the stories of those who've gone through it, a whole lot of humor, and a pinch of celebrity and entertainment news. Because fun fact, they grieve too. There's more to grief than that godforsaken dove flying over a willow tree on a sympathy card. I know you've seen it and know what I mean. Let's change the way society looks at it. Visit ssfylpodcast.com for more. Welcome back. Hope you're doing well. We are in full-fledged fall mode with Halloween right around the corner. I'm not really like a huge Halloween person. I dress up like maybe every three years. It's not like a consistent thing in my life, but my dad was kind of into it. Again, not very consistent. There were some years where he was like complete face painted and like dressed up and the whole thing. And other years where he would be that guy in the neighborhood that he would turn out all of his lights and wouldn't leave a basket of candy or anything. (laughs) Uh, But I have some funny pictures of us from Halloween's past. So maybe I'll dig them up and uh, put them on Instagram stories or something. So keep an eye out for that. But as we round out October, Infant Loss Awareness Month, I felt it was imperative that I bring to you some information from someone who's been through it herself. And not only that, someone who has made it her goal to help others. Today on the podcast, we have Jennifer Morrow, or I shouldn't say Jennifer because she says she only reserves that for when she's in trouble. (laughs) So Jen Morrow, she has a background in sports medicine, experience as an athletic trainer, a personal trainer, and uh, was an adjunct professor with health and wellness. She's focused her attention to raising awareness on infant loss and miscarriage, both of which she unfortunately experienced. You'll learn more about that today. So it led her into grief coaching and she has created an incredible guide to grief, which is free on her website and an amazing guide to grief academy. And she is being so kind as to offer you guys, my faves, the So Sorry for Your Lost listeners, $100 off of the Guide to Grief Academy, which is huge. And you're going to hear from her today how thoughtful she is about all of this. This isn't just some of the basics. I mean, she really addresses some of the things that people are going to experience in their everyday lives and how to approach it after going through infant loss or miscarriage. So definitely check those out. Again, her one guide is completely free and her guide to grief academy, she is gifting you guys with $100 off. I will put the links to both of those in the show notes or contact her on Instagram. She's at Jennifer underscore Morrow underscore. And before we get into it, I I just want to take time to kind of clarify where I'm at with this. I've never personally had a miscarriage. I will never pretend to understand what that is like. But, you know, we talk about that there are a lot of things that can be similar with different types of grief. One of the things I can relate to is after the loss of my dad, the thought of even trying to get pregnant was terrifying to me. I couldn't fathom the idea of opening myself up to losing someone else. And if that is something that you're feeling, I I highly recommend, A, doing what you're doing, listening to this podcast, getting support, doing something to help you further understand your thoughts and your feelings. But also, you know, if you need to, seek out some help. So know that there are resources for you. I'm here to help you. Jen is here to help you. If a friend sent this to you, that's amazing. And that's their way of trying to support you too. Know that you have such a team around you to get through this. I really hope this episode helps you today. And here we go. My amazing conversation with Jen Morrow. 
Welcome. I'm very happy to have you here because this is Infant Loss Awareness Month. Such an important topic to cover. I think the way that you approach it, talking about it in ways that it correlates with normal life and like how to go on after when it feels so debilitating to even try to have a life after having a miscarriage or infant loss. So I'm, I'm really interested in, in what you have to say. And I think this is going to be so helpful. So first introduce us to you, Jennifer Morrow, tell us about your story, how you got into this work, your beautiful baby that you have now, let us hear everything. Uh, my name is Jennifer, but you can definitely call me Jenny or Jen. I usually only hear Jennifer if I'm in trouble, so feel free to use okay. either of the names. I like them both. It doesn't matter. My my professional background was sports medicine, athletic training, and then I sort of entered into health and fitness. And then we lost Matthew after that devastating loss of her baby. I I fell into more of a grief coaching space. So in 2017, we were pregnant. Our first pregnancy, we got pregnant very easily for the first little bit. It was like just a normal experience. And we went in for our 12 week appointment and we kind of did all the, you know, history questionnaire. Um, this was over with like maternal fetal medicine. So the specialists and high risk doctors and stuff, not because we were high risk, but we were older and they just kind of had us do that. It was optional, but we wanted to just kind of be aware of anything going on, sure. not expecting anything. They go through our history. She doesn't really find anything outside of our age that would be of concern. So let's go meet her baby. It's supposed to be ultrasound where you get to see your baby for the first time and all that kind of stuff and pretty early into that ultrasound I started like now in hindsight I mean naivety was so great to not realize what was happening in hindsight looking back there were some things that were happening in there and the verbiage they were using that was indicative of there being problems. But I still kind of was just like oh good to do there's baby you know because you can see Mm -hmm. it on the screen. And we're an untrained eye and you can't pick up anything wrong. And, but like things started happening, they were having trouble getting the right angle and they were looking at things two, three, four times. And the doctor came in and, and just things that, you know, now having had a regular pregnancy, I realized that's not how those appointments usually go. Yeah. So all that to say at the end of the ultrasound, the doctor, like, go ahead and get dressed. I have a few concerns when meet me in my office and you know, obviously that's disheartening and concerning, but I was really like, how bad could it be? You know, we'll fix it after they're born and mm-hmm. everything. We get into her office and she was, she's like, remember some of those complications and problems we talked about prior to going in, you know, that she had told us we don't have anything to worry about. I think we're dealing with one of those. And at that point, they were thinking it was trisomy 13 or 18. They weren't totally sure. And some sort of chromosomal abnormality. And so initially I went into like, so what, what do we need to do to fix this? Like what, what are our options, things like that. And she could tell I wasn't getting it. And I just remember the moment where she sort of reached across her desk and Oof. she was like, yeah, like that just made my her. stomach drop. Like you didn't even have to finish the story. Like even you just saying the moment she reached across the desk, oh man. Okay. Now continue. Yeah. Go ahead. I like, oh, yeah. And she goes, you need to prepare for a miscarriage or a stillbirth. And at that moment it was like, do you remember the appointment? I remember going in back to our car for the rest of the day, but it's like, I, I don't really know how I manage any emotions in that, in that moment. Yeah. I didn't break down in her office, but I don't think anything was really hitting home at yeah. that point. So we left that appointment throughout the pregnancy. We ran a bunch of other tests. 
ironically, they all came back normal. Like all of his chromosomes were normal, all of that, but he very much wasn't. His official diagnosis was multiple fetal anomalies not compatible with life. And we're talking like he had a cyst on his brain, his nasal cavity never formed fully, his jaw never fused forward. We're not totally sure if he developed an airway or an esophagus or if they were functional with the condition he had. We do know they never found a stomach on any of the ultrasounds, and his condition did not allow his body to process amniotic fluid, so it's all accumulating in me. So by, you know, 34 and a half weeks pregnant, I had double the levels of amniotic fluid you're supposed to have by the end of pregnancy. He did beat all the odds, though. He, we went to the hospital at 34 and a half weeks because I was bleeding, and that was sort of a series of events that essentially the conversation led to okay like I fully expected we'd go they'd check me they'd send me home you know I knew I wasn't in labor I wasn't having labor pain I, I was dilated a little bit but because of the amniotic fluid levels they were not comfortable discharging me because if I went into labor at home it could have caused a placental abruption which was then dangerous to me and so basically we're faced with a hospital stay or being there until he was born or inducing labor. So after a few days of kind of my body not really labor more naturally, we decided to break my water and induce labor that way. It became pretty hard and fast after that. Mm. So against all odds, he was born alive. And I always say like he was just determined to meet us. He was going to meet his parents and he was going to spend yeah. time with us. And that was, I spent so much time during my pregnancy because in many ways I felt like we lost him twice. You know, we lost him at the diagnosis at 12 weeks because we yeah. you lose all your dreams for your child at that point. And then we lost him when he was actually born and he died. Yeah. And, um, and I was full of anxiety kind of through most of that pregnancy, like knowing I was going to have to experience getting, holding my dead baby and what that was going to be like and not having that normal leaving the hospital with a baby thing. And I knew he didn't have hands and feet. So we, I didn't, I don't think I listed that on his anomalies, but he didn't develop lower arms or legs, basically past his elbows and knees. So I knew we weren't getting handprints. I knew we weren't getting, you know, like just things that mothers take home from the hospital. And I spent a lot of that pregnancy full of kind of anxiety and grief and all of that. And I found those moments after he was born were actually incredibly peaceful and if we we did have a photographer come in and take some pictures for us and like we're actually smiling and like not full of joy like smiling as you would any baby that was just born and yeah uh, they were actually some pretty peaceful moments of course the decision to finally say okay we're done spending time we need to after he had passed that is let him go and that moment of handing him over to a nurse and that being the last time you hold your little one. And we left the hospital the next day with our bags and a box and some baby and kind of started life after loss from there. And then let me know if you want me to take any break. No, I am so enthralled in listening to this. I mean, just your strength at even telling this story. And I know it's probably taken a lot of work and a long time to get to this point, but I mean, my heart just absolutely aches for you. I, I, I think that's one of the things too, like about pregnancy, it's like, you don't know what's going to happen. And right. if you're, you spend nine months loving this thing and growing this bond to this thing, this, this being inside of you. And really all it takes is one moment of one day to strip that all away from you. And it's, 
It's the most beautiful and terrifying time of your life. At least for me, I felt that. (laughs) No, absolutely. And I actually, in those first 12 weeks, Matthew pregnancy, when things were normal, I was full of anxiety. And part of me is like, did I know something like it? Was there something in me that just knew it wasn't right? Or was this just part of being pregnant? There's just so much you don't know yes. about. Yeah. It's all right. So you question yourself. Like, what's going on? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So that, it really is a challenge. And even, even now that we have a healthy baby, we often get the question of like, why are you having more? And it's like, gosh, to think about doing that all again and knowing mm-hmm. that it is I mean, most babies are healthy and are fine, but we certainly know the side of it that's not. Pregnancy in general can be anxiety inducing and then yeah. um, going through pregnancy after a loss can absolutely <laughs> be another challenge. So yeah. Um, And you know, like I haven't personally experienced miscarriage. I have a lot of close friends that have, and I struggled for a long time at the thought of even having a baby after the loss of my dad, because I was so terrified of opening myself up to loss again. It took a lot of therapy and a lot of counseling for me to really say like, okay, I'm ready for this, knowing that I could have another loss again. So I totally resonate with what you're saying of like, how do you bring yourself to even face that again, to, you know, going to another pregnancy and knowing. So how was it for you in, in your second pregnancy? So, and actually our second pregnancy ended in miscarriage. Oh my Um, gosh. So Matthew was born and died in 2017. We spent most of 2018 trying to get pregnant again. We got pregnant so easily with Matthew and then it was a struggle. And I'm sure part of that was emotional and stress and my body right. just being right. Glad. Don't You're right. Care. Because so much of that is tied into it too. The, just the emotional yes. capacity. It's yeah. not all physical. Yeah. Right. And I wasn't, you know, during the pregnancy with Matthew, I sort of assumed, okay, we'll have him all recover. And then I'll get pregnant right away again, you know, cause that was my experience getting pregnant the first time. And I just found for so long after we had him, I just was not ready. Like yeah. I wasn't ready to go there again. I wasn't ready to risk it again or any of those things. And so finally, after fighting most of 2018, we found out we were pregnant around Thanksgiving and we're like, okay, finally we're headed, you know, to our rainbow baby and all this. And then. We went to our eight-week appointment, which was a week before Christmas, and found out that we were miscarrying. And and that ended up being a very long process that took us into 2019 before it was finished. It was about a month long between trying to naturally miscarry and then ultimately needing a DNC. So I had my first two experiences with pregnancy were just utter devastation. And wow. truthfully, like as hard as it was losing Matthew, that miscarriage like really almost did me in because yeah. at that point I was like, I don't, I, I don't know how much more I can take of this. Yeah. So healed from that again, you know, kind of got brave enough to try again. We spent most of 2019 trying to get pregnant a third time. And around September, I just was like, we need to get pregnant or be done. I cannot keep doing this. I was the worst version of myself. Sex was no fun. You know, like none yeah, of it was enjoyable right. anymore. And I was just like, we need to either close this chapter or like get help. And so that was when we finally saw a fertility doctor and we did a round of Clomid and that was all we needed, thankfully. I mean, she ran all the tests and all the things, but we got pregnant with Sienna, our rainbow baby then. And that was 
beautiful, perfect pregnancy. We did have a little scare at the end where we were diagnosed with intrauterine growth restriction. She was small and doctor was like, look, she's healthy enough. It was 37 weeks. And he's like, she's just safer out than in at this point. So we wait, pause. What did you say her name was? Her name's Sienna. That's my daughter's name. We were so destined to meet. How about that? How funny. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How about that? Okay. She joined us. June of 2020. So she's 15 months now. And I mean, she's perfection, the best baby. I love her, love her to pieces. And she has brought so much joy back into our home. She will one day know what she sort of helped restore. It's not that she replaces her brother in any way, but we wanted a family. We wanted to be parents and to a living child. We are parents, Matthew, but we wanted to have children that we raised. And I'm so happy uh, to hear that it worked yeah. out that way. I mean, these Siennas, I think they have like some real strong, powerful nature to them because I feel the same way about our little girl. Like she really came into our lives as just this perfect little being who has just brought so much joy to us and our entire family after the losses that we had been through. Like we just needed yeah. some ray of light and she 100% is that. And it's, it's so funny to hear of another Sienna that is providing that to you and to your husband and your family. Yes. It's precious. And we get a lot of compliments on the name. So I'm sure you do too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. That's so wonderful. Well, I mean, you've been through quite a journey and I, I really appreciate you sharing it. You said it like I, I was brave enough to go at it again and it you're 100% right. I mean, that takes some strength and some bravery to want to face that voluntarily again. So since then you developed a guide for others to follow. Yeah. Like the guide really came about from my recognition of the need to grieve and the pressure I started to feel on me that it was not okay to grieve or it wasn't okay to grieve past a certain time. I found that that weighed so heavily on my journey. Like it was already really hard and then that just made it harder. And so I really wanted to develop something that included the tools I use to navigate life after loss that would help somebody feel like, oh, I'm normal. Like I need to stop listening to the noise of people telling me to get over this. Not that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So that's where that all came from. What I love about this grief guide, and I will certainly link to it in the show notes for the listeners to be able to access, because I really think it, it's it's so incredibly helpful. You go at like how people can experience everyday things in life again with this heavy weight of loss of an infant on their shoulders. Things from navigating social media. Holy shit, that's got to be terrible. I mean, I've had friends who are like, I can't even go on for Mother's Day. I'm like, don't, don't go near it. Like, don't subject yourself to that. Yeah. Yeah. Or going to a baby shower again. I know I've, I've counseled friends like, listen, it's not worth it. Like if your friend is a friend enough, they will understand why you're not going to be there. Right. Share with us the things that you have in your guide. Let's start with what your advice is about social media. What are some of the things that that you say, or what are some of the things that have helped you about social media? And then we'll hit some of the others as well. Social media was sort of the first point I hit on in there because I think we feel more comfortable with social media before like actually socializing you know for a long time I didn't want to get together with people I didn't want to see people face to face and so social media is sort of your place but I found really quickly I had to establish boundaries you know on the one hand you find this incredible community this incredible lost community of other right. moms who've walked through this and you can find some strength in camaraderie with them. But then you also are inundated with 
all the pregnancy announcements and pregnant bellies and we've got Halloween coming up and it's yeah. like you don't realize how so many of these holidays are really just all about the kids yeah all it's such a double-edged sword yes and so it was like you know, I'd be scrolling and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. And so I found things that I needed to avoid. And I, I realized early on that like stories were just going to be where all the babies were and all the like little ins and outs of people's lives. And, and that wasn't a good place for me to spend my time. And even to this day, I don't spend a lot of time in stories. Like I'm just, I was never in the habit of doing it. Cause I kind of came about after we lost Matthew, they were getting more popular then and they can just be a time and an energy stuff anyways and so I just kind of steered clear from there I learned that I could mute and I could unfollow and and I didn't have to announce it I didn't have to make a big scene or a spectacle about it but that I could filter what came into my feed and that became really important and and that I wasn't going on there just to scroll and in my line of work I needed social media like that was right. where I connected with clients and so it wasn't really an option to go off of it mm -hmm. if I wanted to maintain my work but I could be on there for work and not be on there to just scroll and waste time and so so I learned to set some parameters about my activity on there and and what I did and how I did it and what to stay away from and things like that but then also where to find community and so it became like a really sweet tool and then a tool that I could still navigate pretty well. And then I learned the days that like, I just needed to be off of there. And you yeah. know, Mother's Day is a social media blackout day. And it right. still is because that's so hard to see. I mean, Sienna doesn't fix the loss of Matthew. She fills our heart with joy and she brings a right. whole It doesn't cancel it out. But it doesn't cancel it out. And so it's so hard to see pictures with like two or three kids in it. and stuff like that. And so that's the day I stay off there. I try to stay off there on most holidays as well, because, and this doesn't necessarily hit me as hard anymore, but those are very popular pregnancy announcement days. When you are in the depth of your grief, like that is just not something you need to be exposed to. Mm -hmm. And really I started to learn that I, I needed to filter my feed for almost 24 to 48 hours after those days as well to let everything cycle back through and the new posts come up and things like that. But so I just learned how to sort of navigate it like that and recognizing where, you know, it's okay if, if you've got a close friend that's in the middle of pregnancy and that's hard for you to see that you're not less of a friend to follow for a time or mute, yeah, their mute that account. Yep. Yeah. Like these features are great features and, and you don't have to go tell them you did that, but right. you now have control over what's coming into your day. And I think when our circumstances and our world is out of our control, where we can control little pieces of our, of our activity and our exposure, then that's really important. So those were kind of the the main things about. Ooh, that's a powerful like. quote. I like that. Yeah. Nice. Okay. What about yeah. going back to the doctor? Cause that can certainly be a triggering, triggering experience. Oh my gosh. And it was awful. And I sadly have not talked to many postpartum lost moms who've had a good experience going back to their doctor for the first mm. time. So, so for starters, you need to communicate them like way before your appointment about the circumstance, like everybody in the office needs to know. And I still don't know, like one of the things I'm going to advocate for one of these days, noting on medical charts, 
about this because oh, you know yeah. there's got these red flags for allergies and all these kinds of things, right. but there's no red flag for loss. And so if not everybody that handles your chart in your appointment, if they don't know about this, it becomes very awkward. And so you're so right. Starters, when you're scheduling your appointment, I would be clear with them about what's happened. And I would ask for the first appointment of the day or the first appointment after lunch. And the reason being is that you will not likely wait long during those mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. And you'll hopefully have less exposure to the pregnant bellies and the things like mm. that. So you want to limit your time and exposure to things that are going to cause pain. And so those times of day, they don't tend to be backed up because their schedule's clear or they've been able to catch up during lunch or things like that. So, so there's that aspect. Well, and then when you tip. get there, yeah, that, that was really helpful for me when you get there and hopefully you're working with a very understanding OBGYN, but when you get there, I would just ask that they either place you in a separate waiting room or take you directly back to the room. The OB that I had, I actually had to switch OB because we moved from Miami to Jacksonville in the middle of the pregnancy with Matthew. But my first OB was like, they can sit you in my office. I don't care. Just don't sit in the waiting room. So you just need to be in communication with the staff and usually they'll be very accommodating. And if they're not, then you need to find a new OB, which I know can feel overwhelming and challenging, but you need to be working with somebody who will meet you where you're at. Right. And, yeah. Um, they're, they are pretty sensitive though, as we discussed at the beginning, you know, the loss of babies is not all that uncommon. They see it more than we do because yeah. they're delivering babies all the time. So sometimes they just need to be brought back different sensitivities about it but ask for that ask to be you know immediately placed in a room or a separate waiting area or a different room they can wait in an office area something like that typically they're very accommodating but you're going to have to advocate for yourself and, and that mm. can feel hard to do in this season yes. um, but they'll accommodate what you ask for they won't necessarily offer it and so those are some things about going back there and in my experience they have you fill out the postpartum questionnaire and obviously my answers were reflective of depression. Check, check. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I handed my chart back and I was like, so we, the baby died. And so obviously this reflective sign. She was, okay, well, everybody back there will know. So that's, that's okay. Well, again, because they don't have any flags on these charts or anything, the nurse that brought me back to just do my vitals was like, how, how are you feeling? How was labor? How was delivery? These kinds of things. Well, I, yeah, so I answer like labor was fine, delivery was fine, I'm feeling great, I'm healing well, and then she goes, so how's the baby? And I'm like, oh, oh I, the baby died. And I mean, it was a horribly awkward moment for both of us, you know, ruined my appointment. No, it was not her fault. I mean, it was in the notes, like she should have been more aware a hundred percent. I mean, like they must see this all the time. Like you said, I can't believe this is even still happening. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Yeah, it, it, was, it was awful. And, and I felt, and then I feel terrible for her in that moment. I'm like, I shouldn't be feeling bad for you, but that, yeah. So you have to just be like, put sticky notes all over my nose. I don't care who knows about it. I want everybody to know about this. Horribly awkward. Cause I'm sitting there and I'm thinking she's just asking, how is my body doing after giving birth? And yeah. you know, that's not where she was fine with it. So it feels like so such a betrayal when stuff like that happens. Yeah. yeah. Like, like our physicians, our healthcare workers should be more aware 
um, yeah. the patients they're dealing with. And I get, they see so many patients a day. And granted, the rest of the appointment after that with my OB was wonderful because she delivered Matthew. She knew what I had been going through and, and stuff like that. But you just have to be, unfortunately, very clear, very direct, ask for what you want, advocate for yourself, tell them like, I want big old highlighted note on here about the date, you know, and it's like, you don't think to do those things because you're still in the middle of your grief. And like I said, sadly, that, that is a common postpartum appointment experience, you know, yeah. of just not having super sensitive interactions with people there. So yeah, you said it right, that kind of people need to be them. advocates for themselves. And that's very yeah. hard, especially when you're at a point where you're feeling so low and so vulnerable and just you you lack any type of energy to do anything i mean making breakfast and brushing your teeth can be a difficult oh, yeah. task when you're grieving but you offer yeah. some really concrete tips of of what to do in this situation and i i thank you for that and this is exactly why i wanted to have you on because it's like something as simple as make your appointment the first one in the morning and hopefully you can yeah. avoid some of those right. things that you just mentioned so yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, another one I want to hit on attending baby showers. <laughs> we just talked about that a little bit oh, before, yeah. but that is uh, another one. So, so what are some of the tips that you have in that area? Uh, I still don't go to baby showers. I mean, I, cause I end up being, you know, the girl with the dead baby. Like it's like, yeah. it, it just makes it horribly awkward. I still don't go to the many and I'm in a different phase of life too, where not a lot of my friends are having babies. But I did go to one actually this past weekend, but it was like a barbecue. Like it didn't, like they didn't even open. It didn't feel cooking. that way. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I, I knew it was going to be like that. So I felt more comfortable going, but tips for that is my, my absolute first tip is don't go. I, I think that's <laughs> the best thing until you feel compelled, like you really actually want to go. If there's any thought in your mind, like, should I go? I don't really want Like, I don't think you should don't. go. Yeah. Um, and the reason is it is a baby focused event yeah. and the conversation is going to be about children and you're not going to be able to avoid the, how many kids you have or how old are your kids question. And then you end up being the girl that has to explain that your baby died because most of us want to talk about our babies and at a baby shower that just feels horribly awkward and you shouldn't be feeling awkward. <laughs> like it was already hard enough. So mm -hmm. My, my first tip in the way I typically approach it is, is to not go. However, I don't think that means you don't have to celebrate your friends. So I think it's always, and if you notice too, at showers, at big parties, you don't actually visit with the person that right. you're celebrating. Most of the time, yeah. unless they're like your bestie, you're not probably the one they're sitting around talking to the whole event. So they're not a great social interaction between just you and them anyways. And so I always like to say, you know, take her out to lunch, take her out to coffee, or if she's not drinking coffee because she's pregnant, like take her out to something, you know, ask her to spend time with her just one-on-one -on -one before baby comes and then yeah. get her a gift. Like you don't need to torture yourself in the baby aisle. Right. The baby is going to be showered. The baby is going to be loved on. They're going to have more than what they need. And half the crap we get for baby, we don't use anyway. So yeah, her a gift, spoil her, pamper her, get her something she's going to need because Such she's a not going to be taking care of herself, you know? So you get that quality time with her, you get, you, you get to celebrate her and acknowledging what a special time this is, but you're, you're getting to shower her with love and not be so baby focused because that's just not where you don't need to be in the baby aisle. So 
think that's a great way to still love on your friend and let her know that you like while you're struggling you are still happy for the face of life she's in without putting you in just really painful situations and I think yeah that's one of the again that goes back to just controlling your environment controlling the controllables we have to be in charge of that unfortunately mm-hmm. as we're grading because other people won't because you do want to be invited to the shower you don't want to not be invited but you want the choice to go or not go right right um because that can always be hard I had friends that like just didn't tell me or whatever and that just yeah hurts, just Sadly, you want to have the responsibility to make that choice for yourself. So, and at the end of the day, if this person is a good enough friend, they will 100% understand. Absolutely. And and they will get it. They will understand. And, and they're hopefully still going to invite you because they want you included in that event. But with the caveat of like, girl, you don't have to explain yourself. To exactly. Me. You know, like, exactly. Hopefully those are the types of friends you have. And if not, then that's not really a friend you want to keep life and Mm -hmm. that it can be a hard realization but an okay to let go of that friendship so those are kind of your options if you're choosing a like not go option now if you are going to brave it and you're going to decide to go because some women are totally fine going I am just not one of them but if you're going to decide to go I think there's a few parameters or boundaries you should set for yourself one being you know let them know you're coming but you don't know how long you're going to stay so that they don't have the expectation that you're going to come and meal party with them the whole time. And then also giving yourself the grace that if you commit to going and you wake up that day and you're like, I can't do this, yeah. that you don't go. We put so much pressure on ourselves to be and show up for people the way. Oh, 100%. Or they need us to. And, and we don't take care of ourselves in those moments. And I think during this time, this is your selfish time. This is your time to take care of you. And so if you change your yes. mind, yes, that's yes, yes. okay. There's that. And then there's also the, you know, if you get there and like, this kind of goes with the first point, if you get there and you're just like, I just, I can't, like that you shouldn't feel bad about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I still would suggest, even if you go, that you get mama a present, not baby, unless you're totally fine with shopping for baby, you know? Yeah. Um, and only you can decide that for yourself. But Or um, you can ask a friend to go in on a gift with them and say, Hey, can you handle it? I'll Venmo you, whatever it is, but just, I don't want to go on the websites. I don't want to go in the stores. Just take care of it for me. And again, a friend, a friend enough will totally no questions asked, do that for you. Yeah. I'll be like, yeah, duh. Yeah, absolutely. So those are kind of the, the two approaches to it is, you know, don't go schedule a time with just mom, get them Mm -hmm. a gift for them. Or go, but give yourself the grace to either change your mind or leave out feeling like you've let your friend down. And I think you've touched on it really nicely. If they are a true friend, it won't be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Next one. I forget if you touched on this in your grief guide, but what about your relationship after the fact? What are some ways that you can work on that and make sure that you and your partner stay strong? Because like you said, it's like, Your emotions are a mess. Physically, you're not feeling yourself. You're not feeling sexy. Sex becomes like this weird chore or, you know, when you're trying to get pregnant or when you, you know what it could lead to all of a sudden that's in your head. How do you maintain that bond between you and your partner? Yeah. And that's a really good question. And I don't spend a ton of time on that. I don't really spend any time of that on that in my guide. I do 
talk about that in my guide to grief academy. And I, and I think the best thing is really, it comes down to communication, which sounds super cliche, but you just have to maintain that open communication. And with the understanding, I should say, they're probably going to be grieving differently than you, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe not, but often our husbands don't grieve the same way we do. Like, that's just not how they're wired a lot of times. And in any relationship that can be the case. And so if they're not showing grief in the way you are, it doesn't mean they're not grieving and it doesn't mean they're grieving wrong or anything like that. But there needs to just be that open and free flowing conversation and acceptance of like, this is how I'm processing it. This is how you're processing it, but still an ability to come together. And, you know, in terms of like the sex and the intimacy that that needs to be, again, communicated and a mutual thing that you're, you're both ready to go there again and, and an understanding when time needs to be given. But it just requires that you're constantly sort of touching base with the person. And I, I learned to recognize little cues from Brett, my husband. We would, well, first of all, I was like flooded with gifts and nobody really sent Brett gifts, you know? And so like, I would mm-hmm. notice that like, the gifts would come, but he'd like open them, which I didn't care about. But I was like, oh, he's, he's needing a little love right now. Like that would be my clue to like, he needs some, some focus on him. Yeah. Um, And, or we got one of the things that we took home from the hospital was this like owl shaped pillow. And he would be like cuddled up with the pillow one night. Like missing Matthew tonight. You know, and so like I had to learn to watch like he wasn't verbal about a lot of things he was feeling unless we happened to get into a conversation about it. But I could pick up on things that he was doing that would show me like he is going through this too. Right. And so, you know, again, just that recognition that they may not be grieving the same way as you. They may not be as expressive as you, but both cut each other some slack during that time and to keep those communication lines open and then yeah if you're getting into the trying again and sex really does become no fun at that point and Mm -hmm. with that potential outcome and the anxiety that can come with that and we got to a point where we were like we we need to take the trying mentality off the table and just get back to this being our time for us yeah you know to focus on on intimacy and closeness and not have sex be outcome based because that's what it becomes. And you're just like, yeah, I don't, that's a good way to put that. Uh huh. I don't want this for a sex life. And, but it all really did come down to as like basic and cliches that can sound to the communication and keeping those lines of communication open. Yeah, definitely. All of this information that you heard today, plus so much more in your grief guide. Tell everybody as we close it out here where they can find it. The guide to grief, the best place to find it is just on my Instagram profile. If you go click on that link, it's a free guide that you just enter in your email and get sent straight to you. And then I also have- I'll um, link to it in the show notes, but tell us your handle real quick. I'm at Jennifer underscore Morrow. So it's like tomorrow without the two underscore. And so that encompasses a lot of what we talked about today, that guide to grief encompasses a lot of that and some other thoughts, strategies, life management, and encouragement to grieve so you can heal. Like I'm very big about that. Stuffing down emotions gets you nowhere. You're going to deal with it eventually. And I want to help people do this in a healthy way and and not self-sabotage them themselves into more problems. 
So that's what that is. And that's, and then it sort of morphed into like, I wanted to go deeper with people on this. And so Guide to Grace Academy is a full online course I have available for people. And it just, it just dives deeper. I, I do video lessons for actually talk you through these concepts. I created a whole workbook for the course and for each module of the course to really help you just work through that, incorporate some of my healthy living tips in there and things like that. And so it's, it's a much more expanded version of the guide that they can download from Instagram. And it's just really for people who are ready to take the next step in their grief journey and want to do it in a healthy way. Like that's my biggest thing. Like do this in a healthy way so that you can ultimately thrive. Like this is not meant to destroy you as much as it feels like it's going to and there are healthy ways to navigate this so that you can live a healthy and satisfying life I mean my life doesn't look the way I thought it would my family doesn't look the way I thought it would it's not how not the dream I had for myself but I'm doing things today I never would have done without Matthew and I want people to find that purpose and that legacy in their story so both of those things are sort of designed designed for that purpose and the academy is just a deeper dive (laughs) I'm like going to cry. You just got me all choked up. Oh my God. In 22 episodes that I've been doing this podcast, I think you're the first person that's actually produced actual tears from me. So that was absolutely beautiful. And I feel the exact same way about my dad that it was, you know, I didn't want his loss to be for nothing. And I wanted to help others and have his legacy move on and doing so. So I love what you just said. I love that you have a Sienna. I love the work that you're doing. I am so, so happy that I connected with you and just thank you so much for being a part of So Sorry for Your Loss today. Of course, of course. Thank you for having me on. We'll talk soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Head over to Instagram to follow more at So Sorry with Gianna. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review. I would love you for it. More to come on this season of So Sorry for Your Loss. So stay tuned.